Hi there. Uh, welcome to Picking in Conversations. Um, I don't know what episode number this is, but it's some um, episode. It's not our first episode. That's the most I could really tell you. Um, we're going to talk a little bit today about early recollections, and um, which, of course, recollection, we just mean memories. We mean early memories of life. And um, this is just something that we do. So we're Adlerian. Uh, we, we work from an Adlerian model. And when we say Adlerian, that's referencing Alfred Adler, who was a 20th century uh, psychiatrist, uh, early psychological theorist, psychotherapist. Um, and so we study, we have trained with um, other Adlerians who have taught us how to do a whole bunch of things, one of which is to work with early recollections. And um, we want to just talk a little bit about, um, I guess, some like some understandings of what we are doing and what we are not doing when we ask about uh, early memories. And then uh, we wanted to share one with you, not one of ours, but... Um, Which uh, we could do that at another time. Yeah, we could time. do that at some other yeah. time. And do like do it in depth because... Yeah, you know, with yeah. The, especially for students. Um, I found that they've been reaching out and they have some questions, which... I wrote down somewhere, but they're not with me right now, so that's not helpful. <laughs> we'll, we'll come. We'll come back to yeah. them. So yeah, we're just we're going to talk a, a little bit, maybe about like the theory, um, just so just to really clarify what we're doing, and what we're not doing, um, and then we'll we'll give you an example, and we'll talk about kind of some implications of that. I it could be a wonderful conversation, could be a little pointless, um, but we'll, I guess we'll find out. I don't think it's going to be pointless. Probably but. It'll be pointless. If anything, it'll be amusing. So uh, straight away, I, I want us to talk, I want to uh, pick your brain a little bit on, um, I think something that it's a, a little tempting to do when we talk about memories is to get really um, focused on what happened, like historically, objectively, and I don't know if you could talk a little bit about memory related to objectivity or, or anything like that well not just that but i feel like people get bogged down in the like freudian no offense uh like the the symbolism in there mm -hmm. and it, that's not it either um and i think that you described it the best this was like five years ago um a way that paul rasmussen described cognitive uh, processing is that every time you remember a memory you're actually recalling the last time that you remembered it so mm. it's like this game mm -hmm. of memory telephone which is precisely why we ask, because as you remember it now is you're remembering it as you are now. You're projecting yourself now onto your past. So it gives us, even if it's made up, like with little kids, um, when I used to see kids, they're st literally still in the early recollection forming stage. I'd have them make it up. And sometimes they would give me a real one and it's made up. I can give that example later. It's actually really sweet and short. <laughs> um, because that was actually one of the questions that the students asked, which was like, what if somebody doesn't have one? Um, I have them make it up. Because all in all, what it does is it tells us, it gives us good information, make sure I get this right, of how they see themselves, others, and the world. Um, like, what does life mean to me? Um, but it does a bunch of other things therapeutically, too. Like, it builds therapeutic alliance, helps with treatment planning, yeah. because you know where to go and what kinds of skills to teach. Um, I'm trying to think what else we use it for. Well, I, I, think you're, I think you're doing a really good job of just pointing out that... When we ask about early memories, we are not so. You uh, care about the facts. I, I really, and, I, and I'll tell clients this when I when I ask them for an early memory, I'll say I won't, right off the bat, I want you to know I'm utterly disinterested in whether or not what you're about to tell me is historically or factually true. I only mm -hmm. care that you remember it. Um, and it doesn't matter if it's implanted. 
Yeah, it like, d- doesn't matter. Like I have one that it feels like a memory of mine, but I know it's something that my Aunt Stephanie has told me and told the family over and over again, and it feels like my memory. But mm-hmm. because I remember it the way that I do, it tells a lot about who I think I am mm-hmm. and what I do with the world. Um, I also, this is kind of a fun thing, um, so maybe we could incorporate this somehow, but I sometimes use early recollections as uh, ways to measure progress, because if you tell the story at the beginning of therapy, and then when we're kind of wrapping up, I'll have them retell the same story, and then the questions that we ask at the end, the answers to the questions change, and you can see uh, the meaning has changed, so right then and there it shows you. Yeah, um, I'm thinking of um, Arthur Clarke, who in the Adlerian world, he's in like some. You could make the case that he's like the guru of early recollection work. Has done an incredible amount of research, a lot of really cool articles by uh, by Dr. Clark, um, who we've met, and is is uh, he probably wouldn't remember us, but we remember him. He's a, a nice guy. Uh, I hope maybe we can see him again in June uh, at so. a conference. Um, but he's so he's done a lot of work looking at early recollections and seeing that um, that if you ask a client at the beginning of treatment to share their earliest recollection and then ask them at the end of treatment, things have really substantially changed. And he's got like cool empirical research that's all behind that. So so that's all just to say, like, these are these are not reliable. Uh, like our memory is horrendously un- unreliable. And that doesn't mean that it's not useful. Um, it says, uh, as you're pointing out, like it says a lot about who we are in the present, not so much about what happened back then. Of course, it's you know probably at least loosely connected to something that happened back then, but it says a lot more about who we are in the present. And that's like the cool part is like we can't always control the things that happen, especially the not so good stuff. But over time, we get to decide the meaning that we make of it and we continue to make different meanings. Like maybe you make a really unpleasant meaning from a trauma or a bad experience, but like then in therapy, you can make a different meaning and that is what you have control over. And it's really empowering. Yeah. Um, at least it has been. Yeah. So. You also mentioned, uh, just that, um, there's a tendency to really focus on like content or obsess over symbol. Like I remember doing this early recollection demonstration in a undergraduate course and asked for a volunteer to share an early recollection. And there was some like clown doll that showed up. Yeah. And... Were they wearing a green shirt or a red shirt? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and I, I told the students, I said, you know, now the really tempting thing at the end of this recollection is to say, well, what does the clown mean? And I don't know, you know, I'm open to the idea that I, it's not that I'm like opposed to the ideas of um, symbolism or something like that in, in dreams or in early recollections. I, I'm not opposed to that idea. But I also know that um, sometimes they can be like a kind of like little sideshows, yeah. you know, that you just, you kind of obsess over, oh, what does this symbolize and really like miss the forest for the, for the trees. And so, um, you know, when I work with early recollections, I'm not so much focused on like, oh, well, let's dissect every little thing that happens in here and figure out what it means. And like the deep, dark trauma that's behind that. Sometimes maybe that's there, but really what I'm trying to do is to say, how is it that this person sees the world and how do they make their way through it? You know, what are the what, how do they make life go well for them? How do they keep it from going terribly? And I'm looking at those things not uh, specifically related to content, but more like if I strip all the content specific stuff out, what's the story here? Um, so and, and you know, we, and we can give an example of that in a second. But I think these are the things that. Um, you know, if, if you're interested in, in, you know, maybe you are a therapist and you're interested in Adlerian theory or you're a prospective client and you're wondering about like how to therapists and maybe particularly Adlerian therapists, how they work with early memories. I think the things we, we would want you to know is it's, it's not so 
it's not so objective and I mean that in a good sense. I don't mean that in like a wishy-washy sense of like, well, you know, everything depends. I just mean that um, we're not so focused on content. We're not so focused on symbols. We're not so focused on the historical facts of what happened. Those things may be important in their own right, but we're really just looking for like a big picture approach to perceiving and acting in the world. It's like, what are the challenges? How do they overcome them? Yeah. Yeah. Basically it. Yeah. Um, how are they seeing the world? And I think the example we'll use, there's a lot of... Yeah, so, <laughs> so a good friend of ours, uh, who's a professor down at Lynn University, John Sperry, Thanks, who John. We, we love, we love John. We're huge, uh, uh, we're huge John fans. Um, he provided us with an early recollection from a, from a, a famous person, um, and we thought we would share it with you and make some observations. Of course, we're not here to like psychoanalyze so much this, uh, this individual, but just, I think we want to just interact with the memory in order to show you how we, you know, where, where is our brain going? How are we thinking about these kinds of things? So, um, go ahead and share. Okay. I'm going to try and read slowly. I know that I talk fast. One of my earliest memories is sitting on my grandfather's shoulders waving a flag as astronauts splash down in Hawaii. For me, the space program has always captured an essential part of what it means to be an American, reaching for new heights, stretching beyond what previously seemed possible. Uh, I mean, there's a, so there's a lot in there, right? And um, again, we could focus in on like, well, what do the astronauts symbolize? And, but really, in some ways, I mean, this, this individual, they're, they're kind of telling uh, us what it means. And I think that maybe is a really important thing to start with is that it's like when I work with early recollections as a therapist, I'm not particularly focused on figuring out, okay, this is exactly uh, like I will decide what the early recollection means. I'm um, sure I might have some suggestions, but really what's important about the memory is not what I decided about it as, ther as therapist, but what the client has decided about it, how they've given meaning to it, so on and so forth. So can you read that, uh, that last portion again um, about the, the space program, and then he says what it means. Uh, for me, the space program has always captured an essential part of what it means to be an American, reaching for new heights, stretching beyond what previously seemed possible. Yeah, so I mean, that right, uh, it's not like, oh my gosh, uh, how scary they splashed, are they going to be okay? Like that would have been a perfectly understandable way for a child to, you know, perceive or understand, but for this individual. He was up on his on shoulders and he's waving a flag sort of in celebration right yeah. it's usually why you wave with a flag and patriotically and patriotically yeah. yes um sorry spam caller <laughs> gosh this, this is why you don't read things like this off your phone <laughs> trying to buy my house for twenty thousand dollars um <laughs> Something that I noticed, it just flitted out of my brain, um, but it was about, because I'm always thinking, like, are they thinking and acting cooperatively or competitively? Mm. Um, and he's he's up high, right? Um, and he's thinking about what it means to be an American, meaning, like, like he feels this sense of belongingness and that they're always striving for more. Even though he's up high, he's, I don't know, he, he's up, he's being supported, mm -hmm. right? He's being supported by an ancestor, by an ancestor and watching things come down. And that, I don't know, it just, it's connective, you know, there's, mm -hmm. everything's all connected and that you can always have more. Um, and yeah. then he celebrates it. So, and if I were going to, earlier I mentioned like stripping uh, a memory of its content specific elements. So if, if I were to retell this story, it might be something like this. Um, I'm being supported mm -hmm. by the people who have come before me. Um, 
I I see proof that something uh, that would it would have been difficult to imagine that would have been possible. I see proof that it is possible, and I feel a sense of hopefulness and expansive possibility. Now, do you see? And he's I, not I, scared of it. He's not. Yeah, he's not scared of things that are beyond him. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah. not particularly frightening. So, and you, you'll see. So, I just told the it's the, the same story, but there's no astronauts. There's no Hawaii. There's no big splash. There's no flag. I, I actually, I even took out um, the grandfather specific uh, information, but you see, it tells the same story. Now, the idea of what we would do with this therapeutically is that we believe that these early memories and, and particularly how we're remembering them in the present, they say something about the way that we perceive and move our way through the world in the present moment as well. And so this is an individual, we would make a guess, we would not keep a pet theory and we have a whole other video on pet theories that we'll show at some point, but we don't have a pet theory of like, Oh, I know exactly what this means, right. but we would probably have a guess that, okay, here's an individual who probably has a strong sense of connection to the to history, to like what's come before. And, um, and honors it. And yeah, and has a feeling of, of honor. Like it, it's a, it's a positive relationship between them and what's come before. And there also is a real sense of, yeah, you think that this is impossible and and I'm not so sure about that. I think I think maybe we can do that. Um, so yeah, well, you should tell everybody who it is. Uh, it's Barack Obama. Yeah. Who and what was the title of that book that he published? The audacity the, of hope. Uh, the audacity of hope. And I mean this this memory. You know, if we were to give this memory a title, which that's something that um, Harold Mozak. Uh, um, since uh, he, he's not with us anymore, but Dr. Mozak used to do this thing where he would have people create a headline for an early recollection. Um, this maybe we would title yeah, it "The Audacity of Hope." Yeah. Um, so, and of course, by the way, we're not making some like polit. This is not like we're not like out here campaigning for a candidate or something. It's just we're just looking at it as more like a character study. Uh, it's it's really quite striking that, um, and I, I've listened to some interviews. Uh, uh, with Barack Obama that actually like after his presidencies are. So it's not like some campaign interview where of course he has to say certain things. This is long after that's over. And he, he is just this like fiercely optimistic person who just continually has this sense of like, yeah, I, I mean that, that sounds really hard and complicated, but like, I mean, we, we can figure that out. I, I, you know, I, and we can figure it out together. It's yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. This, a real sense yeah. of togetherness in that. And yeah, not so much like, well, I'm going to figure it out. But oh my gosh, are, aren't we... Look what we can do. Are, aren't we incredible what we're able to accomplish? So that's... Um, now, to be fair, right? Like, uh, you know, Obama, I mean, he's a very uh, public figure. And so we, you know, we know what his like actual book is titled. And, and we can listen to interviews with him that have been listened to, I don't know how many millions of, you know, tens of millions of times. So like, you know, we're, we're not privy to this kind of information all the time with clients. But what we are trying to demonstrate is just that there is this really cool, powerful thing that we can, um, that there are these things that we can glean from a memory. Um, and who knows, Barack Obama's grandfather might say like, yeah, I don't think I ever had him on my shoulder. I've got a back issue. I couldn't possibly have had him on my shoulders. And it, and it truly, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter in terms of our willingness to, and, and our desire to understand and not just understand what happened back then, but what's happening in the, in the present, what's happening in the here and now. Can share the little one from the little kid in case anybody has kiddos that tell stories. Oh sure, yeah, yeah it'll be quick. Um, so I think he was three or four, uh, and I asked him to give me a memory. 
and he didn't have one, obviously, because he's still making them. So I asked him to make one up. And the story he proceeds to tell me was about the day that his sister was born. Mm. Tells me all about it. All, all the, it was very detailed. Um, long story short, uh, he was second born, so there's no way he was at his sister's birth. Uh, but what I, <laughs> what I gleaned from that was that he cannot imagine his life without his sister. Oh. It was like the way that he helped her and, and even as a baby she was helping him and they were cooperating and you know he was able to help her in ways that I guess she has helped him like he's three and I was able to figure that out uh, and it was beautiful and totally made up because he wasn't alive yet <laughs> <laughs> well it, it really you know narrative therapy which is it's, it's like a, a whole approach this is basically you know their approach is like the stories that we tell ourselves say a lot about how we perceive and interact in, in the world. And so like, yeah, when we make up a story, it's, um, and I'm going to use a Freudian word here, but that is us taking the things that are inside of our mind and projecting them out onto the external world. And, and so that's, that's really, that's just immensely useful information, um, that we can use therapeutically to identify, uh, strengths and liabilities, um, our, our friend and colleague, Paul Rasmussen, he, his approach really focuses on fears and desires. It's like, what do I want to go toward? What do I want to avoid? Are you, um, are you serving others? Are you serving yourself? Yeah, and a, a like, whole wide like, range of approaches to, the, to these things. Uh, our friend Gary uh, Ballman, who's a, a wonderful, wonderful therapist in, um, in North Georgia, he has like a, a whole method of looking at these. So uh, we want to be clear this, like what we're showing you, this is, uh, we're not claiming some monopoly on like, this is the only way, but there are some th theoretical elements that would bind all these folks approaches together. And that is that it's less important what happened and more important what we made of it, more important how we kind of inhabit the memory, you know, that uh, for example, Obama's inhabiting the memory as hopeful, cheerful, uh, celebratory as opposed to, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Are they all dead? Boy, they hit the water really fast, really hard. What are, you know, um, which again would be a perfectly understandable way for a child to experience something like that. But he, but he experienced it this other way and that says something about him. So anyways, more that we could say about this and maybe we will do some follow-up where maybe we'll, we could share one of ours or something like that. Um, we can, we can explore that further, but um, yeah, we just wanted to give you a, a, maybe a little bit of a primer and have you be able to interact a little bit with this idea of early recollection. So thank you very much for listening and tune in next week. We'll have something else to share with you. Thanks. Bye.